What's up? My name is Alex Terranova. I am the host of the Dream Mason podcast. Welcome. We started this in 2017 because we wanted to highlight the journey of Dream Masons. There's a Dream Mason in all of us. A Dream Mason is someone who is awake to their dreams and driven by the passion, the purpose, and the desire to turn that dream into reality. We interview athletes, gold medalists, Super Bowl champions, artists, creatives, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, and everyone in between. And sometimes we even walk them through challenges that they're currently facing. So depending on whether you're catching this as a regular interview or a playing with problems segment, there is something for you, whether you're at the peak of your journey, at the low point of your journey. I look forward to having you join me on this journey. And I hope that this show helps you unleash your inner Dream Mason. What is up? Welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. I am excited. I have a, uh, wow, this is a, you're, you're catching me right after I got married. This is, I think the first podcast I'm recording post my wedding. So I went to Tulum for a week, for a week, and then to Holbosch, an island off of Cancun for a week, and then took a week off. And I don't know about you, but since I've had a job as an adult, I have not taken three weeks off of work consecutively. And that was fun. Um, and uh, there's so much stuff I could get into. And we're gonna have to do a whole podcast just about this. But I want to this is what I want to share with people. Um, I never thought that I would be someone who would get married. I never thought that I would enjoy my wedding. Why? Because when I went to other people's weddings, I didn't like them. I don't like going to formal events. I don't like dressing up. And I would go to weddings and they just felt like, like, um, like everyone's supposed to behave and act a certain way and have a certain kind of fun. And that just never felt authentic to me. And when I was creating, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know, I, how I met my wife, you know, I created a contest online that she won that my friends picked her and that's how we ended up together. <laughs> and, you know, a year and a half after that contest, roughly we got married back in Tulum in the place where we went to for that contest. And when we were planning this wedding, a lot of my biggest fears were, I'm not going to enjoy my own wedding. I'm, gonna, I'm, 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 I'm not happy about spending the money. I'm not happy about all these things we have to do. What if people don't like it? What if people don't want to travel, right? All these concerns. And, and Evan, my wife said to me, listen, you can focus on all the things that you're concerned about, all the things you're worried about, or you can uh, focus on the things that you're actually excited about, the things that you can control. And even after almost a decade doing personal development work, coaching people, having a coach myself, it was like, I couldn't see that blind spot. I couldn't see that all my attention was on the things I don't like, the things I don't want, the things I was worried about. And none of my attention was on the party that we were gonna throw, the fun we were gonna have, being in Tulum, right? All these things. And from that moment forward, I got really clear, I'm gonna focus on the things that I was excited about. And what I'm excited to share, and again, this will be a longer, I'll create more, more of a podcast around this, probably with Evan, is it was like the best two weeks of my life. It was the best wedding I've ever been to. People said it was the best wedding they've ever been to. Uh, you know, it was this, this magical uh, um, collaboration of all of our friends and family from all different times in our life that all got along and partied together. And even when things went wrong, they turned out better than I would have expected. And I think that is a testament to the people you cultivate in your life, the community that you have around you, and the mindset that you bring to anything. 
if if Evan had not put me in check and and reflected that shitty mindset and attitude that I had to me, and I had kept on with that, it would have been a terrible wedding. I would have had a terrible experience and it would not gone like this. And because I changed my perspective, it changed the way I viewed everything and the result was completely different. So that's what I want to share with you today. Uh, I want to, uh, I'm going to introduce you to our guest. Our guest today is a expert in leadership. He is a coach. Um, hang on, I'm bringing up his bio for you. He is a business and life coach. He's the CEO of Power Ties Consulting Group. He's also a West Point graduate, a former Army intelligence officer. He's the author of two business books. He is a husband, father, a man of faith. Welcome to the Dream Mason podcast, Keith Tully. How you doing, man? Doing great, Alex. Thank you. Thank you for having yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm curious. I always, when I share something to start, you were listening to me share that. Did any, did anything, you know, come up for you? Did anything resonate for you? Yes, yes. My goodness. Like there was a, um, my wife and I pr uh, planned our wedding for a year uh, up at West Point. We did it the day after I graduated. And so there's a lot of stress obviously going on just to, just to graduate that year. And, and we had a bunch of stuff just uh, to, to get through and, and so much of it, like every week we talked about something. I mean, it seemed like something else needed to be done and um, close to getting closer and closer. My, my wife was having a lot of anxiety about like what was going to happen. And, um, but, but I mean, we had, we had that whole line of, of people with the swords crossed, you know what I mean? We had to get that, yeah. make sure everybody was there to do that. And, 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 and I had to coordinate with all those guys to like stay with their uniforms and have a uniform to do that with. And somebody had to get savers in order to make that happen. All kinds of like little details like this, you know, and, um, we got there and, uh, on the way we, we, we hired my cousin who had a band. And, um, they, they, we asked them to play a certain song for our, for our song. And it was, uh, Lenny Kravitz song, um, I belong to you. And so what happened is they actually learned it like live to play it for us instead of just playing the song. And so we, we had these, these moments when we, when we got together at the, at the wedding that we're, we were surprised by little things like that. Like we went to do our song and then all of a sudden they're playing it versus like just, just the recording of it. And, and then, like you said, there's a whole bunch of people who get together for these things and you never know what they're going to do, how they're going to react to each other. And we, my, my wife is Greek and Polish and um, we had uh, a second band, a Greek band as well. Her father sings an event. So like we were worried, like all these things were going to clash all at once and no one was going to dance for Greeks, you know, the Greek songs, except for the Greeks and all this stuff. You, you can imagine, you can't imagine a bunch of guys in uniform, uh, uh, people from uh, Hispanic and, and uh, Filipino and whatever descent all jumping in and, and jumping on these lines and just, there was nobody that wasn't dancing. There was nobody that wasn't having fun. It doesn't matter. didn't matter what kind of music was up. And they were like, because my buddies who are in uniform, they're like, if he, he can do it, because yeah. I was up there, obviously, if he can do it, we can do it. And so like, it was just that attitude. Everybody had that attitude. And we just, and at the end of the night, <laughs> the band members were there and they, they've seen a lot of weddings, you know, the, the, you know, the guys who have done this for us. And, um, the guitarist walks over and he just, and he just like gives me a big hug and he goes, that was the best wedding I've ever played. Like everyone was together, everyone was up, everyone was moving, everybody was just 
you know, like there's just so much love in this room, you know? And, uh, and that's, you know, every day when you were describing what you were, what you were experiencing, like little things that were just surprises were better, you know? And I had to calm my wife down. Like, you know, she was at some, at the beginning, she was like, it's all going to go crazy. Like, like, how are we going to get this done? And by the end of the night, she was crying with happiness and hugging everybody and loving awesome. everybody. Like, yeah. So yeah. I, I get it. I love what you, what you put out there. My so wife fine. and I dated How- for eight years, it's not, not just a year. So we knew like we yeah. knew each other, but we didn't know what the families were. Yeah. It was interesting. We had it, it, it rained not during our ceremony, which was great because we were on the beach outside, but it rained during the, you know, the reception part where everybody's like eating and we were covered, but it like all of a sudden out of nowhere, tropical storm. And so the the rain is coming in at angles. So it doesn't matter that we were covered. Some people were getting wet, food was getting wet. Um, and all of a sudden, in a mo- it was like a moment where it started raining. Our, all the people, we had like 80 people there, they erupted into song. People started singing songs. And then a group of people ran out and started dancing in the rain. And That's- we're like, man. Rain could have been the thing that like really ruined because the dance floor and, and the DJ and all that were out in the rain area. Like they weren't covered. Yeah. The DJ was covered, but the, the dance floor wasn't. Yeah. And could have ruined the whole, right? That it would have just been like, oh, we're just eating in this space and then that's it. And people, ju- it's like the rain just like released and people just went wild. And um, we ended is- up like just clearing a different space and having like, you know, the dance floor became a different space. And um it was actually the rain, which could have ruined it, was one of the best things that happened. It's a tribute to who you have in your circle. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's it, like it could, you could have a bunch of people who were focusing on the negative, like you were before, but you, instead you have a group of people who just love you and, and wanted to make the best of everything at that moment because they were in a, in a mood yeah. to, to, to celebrate you. You know, nothing was going to stop that. It's an amazing, it's an amazing tribute to the people you have in your life. It is. And, um, it feels really, really, uh, cool to think about because they're so curated over time, you know, as I used to open restaurants and bars for a living, um, I used to be a very different guy and the people around me were great people, but very different. And over the last decade, I have cultivated a new community. And so is my, so is my wife, um, in the last decade of her life. And it was, it was great. Cause it was like the, the crossroads of a lot of these different, you know, family, but also some of the people from your old life and some of the people from your new life that have never been together in one space before. Right. Um, and yeah, you could really see some people don't even know each other. I have never, no, a lot of people had never, yeah. A lot yeah. of people had never. And, uh, but you could really see like, oh, we, you know, I sat back at one point, and I was looking at like the, the crowd and the group and I was like, we created this, we created this and not just in the, you know, the six months we were planning the wedding, but over a lifetime. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for sharing about your wedding and, uh, and your life and, and how the, the things that you saw. Let me ask you, um, something that interests me always, I think you're not the first veteran to come on this podcast and thank you for, for your service and what you've done. Um, and what you sacrificed. Um, but you know, something that came up is that I've never asked a veteran before. And and I've, and I've thought about this and I don't know why I never asked. I mentioned it to you before. Um, 
I feel like there's, in my mind, again, not the truth, just from what I perceive, it seems like there's two types of veterans. Ones that come out of the military and really use the tools and the skills. And when I think about that, I think about leadership skills, discipline, um, to really make something great of their lives, whatever it be, right? That doesn't mean, I don't mean like they're necessarily wealthy, but they like use that and they create a life for themselves. And then it seems like there's a other type, which in my mind feels like more of a response to trauma. I don't know though, right? Cause I, I, I you know, that, that the, that there's the other group that really seems to suffer when they come back. And I don't, and I don't have any answers. I've not done any research. So I'm just curious as somebody, you know, you were a leader in the military, um, what do you notice about that? And you're, and you're obviously one, you're, you're, you're doing work to help. You're being a leader, you're helping people. What do you notice? Yeah. And, and, and part of it is, is, is the same, same idea of how you realize that you cultivated something in your life from your, through your wedding, right? Um, people in the military are just people, you know, they have to cultivate the same things. They have to, um, they can focus on the good or they can focus on the bad. Um, and, uh, you know, trauma specifically, uh, might affect people very differently, you know? Um, and, and, and part, you know, there's, there's probably a thousand reasons why one person acts a certain way in a situation than another. Um, and you know, there's also a thousand or million reasons why people join the military in the first place, you know, um, for a lot of people, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, a path to education, right? They, they have, uh, they, they spend a few years in the military and then for every year that they spend two years of that is, is spent in the military, right? They, they, they do, uh, education for four years. They spend eight years in the military, something like that. Um, there are GI bills, you know, people will do that kind of thing. There are even some people who go in there because, uh, some court directed them to, you know, um, a lot of those. Uh, are, are unfortunate situations based on, you know, where they came from, what they do, um, and, uh, and the choices they made in their life, you know, it's either army or jail, you know? So, um, so there's a variety of people that you're, that you're finding in the military. Um, and that's all the way from enlisted to officer, right? So some people don't even, uh, think about the leadership of it at all. There's no, you know, and they don't think about what it's meant to be. And what happens is, uh, you either get in and you're, you love it or you get in and, and you know, you have fun and whatever, or you get in and you hate every minute of it. Um, it could be, you know, the, it's the same, it's the same place, Yeah. but yeah. you know, like, like for example, my, my brother also went into the military and when I went to basic training, I went to Oklahoma he went to basic training, he went to uh, Jacksonville, South Carolina and, and <clears throat> the experiences we had. He was, a uh, he loved to do pushups. I never ran a day in my life or, or did any of that stuff. And so my experience in that, in that environment where they're like, get down, do pushups, run six miles at drop of a hat. Like, <laughs> um, my experience of that was like, uh, killing me. And his experience of it was he was jumping down and doing pushups with people, even when they didn't even tell him to, like they told someone else to, and he's like, I'm going to go with him. And, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and so it depends on how you approach whatever it is that you're doing. So, um, and, and I don't want to make it too, you know, too vague or too simple either, but, you know, so there's just, I'm just saying there's a lot of things that happen and it, this occurs with everything and everyone. But when you're, um, 
when you've cultivated some some attitude of um, being able to handle things, right, uh, in a way that is like you you. you you can ask a lot of people in the military, why, why do you stay in until 20? And people will say, you know, the ones who do, they're like, well, one is that obviously it's a pension and stuff like that. But that most of them will tell you, like, I'll get out when it stops being fun. Right. And the military does a great job of kind of building values and leadership and everything into the system. The first thing they tell you, for example, is you're no longer uh, white, Hispanic, black, Asian, you are now green. And, and so any situations that you might think you had about, you know, uh, uh, ethnicities or, or, or uh, discriminations or anything like that, it, leave it outside this place, right? It's no longer relevant. And so they, they create a culture that embodies like uh, certain values and they actually have a whole acronym for it like they have with everything else you know, <laughs> loyalty duty respect like they have this whole thing and um the uh, so when people go into the military you're either trying to make the best of it and loving it you know or trying to make the best of it and hating it like that those are the kinds of people that have there now Fast forward and add the additional pressure of going and being deployed to a wartime place, you know, and having to do things that you don't necessarily morally, ethically agree with, right? Um, people people um, dismiss the idea that there's there's mental trauma there, you know, like before, before you get into it, there's a lot of like, um, you know, rah, rah, you know, let's get the enemy. Let's do this. Let's do that. But once you actually have to do it, there's a, there's a personal, there can be a personal conflict. Now, again, this, this boils back into who you are, right? Um, I believe there's two people, there's two kinds of people in the world. One of them who run towards danger and the other ones who run away from it, right? And it's not, it, I'm not judging one way or the other, but it just is, right? Uh, an explosion happens somewhere. There's going to be some people running to try to help those people who they think might have been affected by uh, firemen, policemen, EMTs, right? Soldiers, anyone uh, who is, who sort of latches onto that system. <clears throat> On the other side of it is a bunch of people that hear the same explosion. They run away from it. They're like, what just happened? It's going to affect me. I'm going to die. Right. And so <clears throat> there are still those two kinds of people in the military. They haven't actually thought about, I'm going to be deployed and I might have to shoot someone or I might have to, you know, react to situations that are life and death, literally life and death. And so, uh, I think when they, when they go through the system, whether or not they go to actual war or whether it's just the military that's, that's affecting them, they come away with it with two different things. Um, I have a cousin who, uh, went in as a linguist and, uh, when I was going in, he was yelling at me not to, but he's yelling at me, don't go in. It's terrible. Uh, and, uh, he went in as a linguist, failed out of linguist school and they made him a cook and he ate his way out of the army. He just got fatter and fatter for a while. 
And, and they just said, well, well, we can't keep you in the army. Like that was, that was his experience, you know? And then, uh, uh, I had, you know, and then my experience was wildly the opposite. You know, I, I, I felt like I, I met a bunch of great leaders. I met a bunch of, um, uh, yeah, okay. There were a couple of bad ones, you know, but they served as examples of what bad leadership is. And I used it to continue my journey and, you know, um, get to the point where, uh, at, at one point I was, I was a company commander in, in South, um, Korea and I was running like 400 people, you know, like it was, that was the, the, the culmination for me. And, and when I got out, um, I did see a lot of people who, um, had trauma, PTSD, um, things like that. Uh, I never, that I never experienced. And, um, so having been deployed, um, maybe not having to have, you know, direct, uh, contact or whatever, but it, you know, being deployed was fearful, you know? Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't that I was, I had a lot of, I had a lot of confidence in the people around me, let's put it that way. And so someone who doesn't would might, might be affected a different way. Uh, and then, so, uh, I can probably, I can, I can give you an example. Well, I'm, I'm curious, what, how do you leave? Like what, what, what had you leave the military and go into like the civilian sector? Cause it sounds like you really enjoyed your experience. Why, why not stay and, and have a, you know, why, 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 why aren't we seeing you as one of those generals on TV? That's, you know, like oh, over time, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but yeah, no, why, you're right. why leave? My, my, uh, my wife hates this question because, um, she says, she says, don't blame it on me. <laughs> and the, the answer is, you know, I felt like there was a, there was a point, um, after we actually stayed in a year longer than I thought I was because at five years after West Point, you can actually, you can go. Uh, um, but I stayed in another year because I, I received this, um, position as company commander. And it was the one thing that I really wanted to do in the military because every leader almost, almost, um, invariably, if you, if you talk to them, they're like, my company command was the best time of my, of my career, you know? Um, so it was the one thing I definitely wanted to try. And my wife said, okay, let's, you know, let's stay another year. You have this opportunity. But after that, it was like, well, are you going to be deployed? Are you going to this? Are you going to that? And she had followed me around for, whew, <laughs> it was six years as an officer before years before that and two years before that as an enlisted guy so we had we had been together eight you know uh eight years before i even got into the military and at this point it was like she was just following me around and having you know to change jobs and do this and do that and honestly um the anxiety of that and the and the pressure of that um was not great for our marriage so yeah. That was the real reason I left. Yeah. So I don't hear it's funny. I don't hear it as like, right. It's like her, it's like you did it for your marriage, right? Which is, which is, to, which is a commitment. Yeah, yeah. Like you made that commitment also. And I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people about this in our life. It's impossible to not have commitments compete with each other, right? Correct. It's going to happen, whether it be your What's job. More? Yeah. Your family. And I, I always, I come back to, what are your highest commitments? And to me, I think you, you as an individual have to be your own highest commitment. If I sacrifice myself, then everything around me eventually is going to fall apart. Like I have to take care of me first. And then I go, well, it's me. And then 
probably my partnership, my like relationship that I'm in. And then maybe my child or my job or, or my family or whatever, whatever, you know, I think people have to make that decision for themselves. But often I think what people do is they'll be like, well, I'm committed to this thing. And it's like, yeah, but you have a higher commitment than that, that you're ignoring. And, and that's what I really hear. You can tell your wife, it's not her fault, right? It's like, no, my higher commitment was my marriage. It was the higher commitment to what? Yeah. Like she was, she was more important than the, than the military. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. There, there's, you know, and people, and this is what I think is funny. People are always wondering when to make your move, when to, you know, uh, do something new, when to, and, um, you know, there was some um, preparation before I left the military. Like, you know, I walked into, a, uh, an opportunity to be a property manager for a lady with $25 million worth of property here in the United States and in, in New York. Um, so it, it was, it was also a good time for me to try to go do that. Is that yeah. just, just out of curiosity, cause it's New York. Is that one property? She owns one property in New York that you, <laughs> no, it was, it was four buildings and a bunch of nice. uh, two or three family houses. Yeah. Okay. But, cool. but it was, um, here between, between, uh, Queens and, and, uh, uh Long Island actually, but it was, it was a, it was an, it was a perfect opportunity for me to go, um, use some of the business stuff that I had been thinking about in my, in the back of my mind, um, work with someone I really wanted to work with and, um, you know, see if the, the things I had learned in the military could, you know, could start to matter in civilian life, you know? And, uh, so all those things were also a, a positive for me leaving as well. So I know I want to I want to ask you about this because I know when we we've been talking you you're you care a lot about leadership you care you also care a lot about people's purpose and their passion. Yep. So um I'm curious how I don't I guess I don't I'm I'm trying to phrase this in a way what how does the what what you're you know doing what managing you know again the business world managing properties uh being a coach, um, being in the military, where does passion and purpose fall into that for you? Yeah. Uh, so it's really interesting that, you know, um, when I think about it, um, I, I, I think about it every morning, actually. <laughs> um, when I think about it, my, my biggest passion is helping people um, beat the odds, beat poverty, you know, beat um, losses beat this mentality that they're, they're, they're losing, you know? Um, uh, but it manifests a lot in poverty, right? It manifests itself a lot in like, I have an idea and I want to win. Uh, I want to be able to do what I want to do. I want to have control over my life. Um, whatever that means. Right. And a lot of it, you know, translates to money, um, uh, uh at least directly. Um, you know, in the, in the material world, right? So, you know, my passion on helping people in business is the same as my passion in helping people in life, right? It's helping them gain that control. It's helping them figure out, have those aha moments where they go, I never thought of it that way. I never like, you know, so like just simple, the, uh, the simple example of your wedding. You know, if, if someone that, 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 that moment surprises people, right. When they, when they haven't cultivated it and it, it was a pleasant surprise for you too, even though you had, but it's, it's always an amazing 
moment when you can recognize that something is going right or that something has gone better than you expect. And my, my passion is for helping people have more of those moments, right? Um, there are, um, and, and, and the weird thing is most of the time it's all about perspective. And so we're, we're teaching people to think differently. We're teaching people to, um, discover their passion and the route that they're willing to take to do it. I have, I have two things that are like always competing, right? Your goals are always like, you want this, you want this to happen. You have some kind of end state somewhere that you want it to happen, but then <clears throat> there's a value system behind that, that you, that most people don't even think about, right? Values create your culture values, create what you, you know, the, the, the things that you're willing to do to go get those goals. So if you're willing to lie, cheat and steal to get as much money as you possibly can have, then that's going to conflict. If if in your, if in your private life, you tell your kids, you teach your kids, you go to church, you do these things and say, don't lie, cheat and steal. And so if you, if you wonder why you're having problems at work or why you're or why, you know, sometimes things don't gel perf perfectly well, it's because your values at work are different from what your values at home are. And so if you, if you establish a, a, a place where you can, where you know, you know, your values and you're unwilling to compromise on those values, right? Cause that's who, that's the things that you're willing to do to get to those goals, which is what you want. So if you can, if you can align those two, you just made a whole bunch of decisions easier. And then you can follow your purpose and your passion. Then you can really find what you're, what you're meant to do. Because if, if, as soon as those two things are aligned, almost every decision that is not in alignment falls away. It's just, it sounds simple, right? But yeah. it's not easy. Yeah. What about, what did you get from the military in terms of discipline that you're able to bring people in business? So... The biggest thing about discipline, right, is about creating habits for yourself. Yeah. So if you, if you're, um, and, and a sense of duty on top of that, right, that's really the key to discipline. So like, if it matters to you, you'll do it. And if, and secondly, if it's tracked, it matters to you more and then you'll do it. Right. So if your boss says, do this, this, and this, this is military or not. If your boss says, do this, this, and this, and he only tracks the first one, you're not going to do the other two. Well, some people so, might, some people might, some people might. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, and, but, and, and maybe some people will all like at first, yeah. and then as it, as time goes on, they realize those two things don't really matter to the guy and they just, they do the one thing. And then the boss never checks on those other two things. So no, nobody ever knows if they're being done. So if, if it matters to you. And it's part of your value system and it's part of your goals and it's part of things that you do, you will create habits that get you to those things that, that are in alignment with what your values are. And so discipline in the military is the same, right? You have this, you have this, um, you either buy into it that, that this is your leader and he made a plan and you're going to back it or you don't. And the people who have the problems, the most problems in the military are the people that don't, right? And, and that, that whole, that whole uh, do what you're told thing, 
you know, like uh, all the all the kinds of uh, illegal things that happen, like Abu Ghraib and stuff like that, that that happened in the in the military. And they say, well, I was just following orders. That is a conflict between discipline and your value system. Sure. And so, if you have a more a strong value system, strong morals and ethics, you can tell that guy, "That's not right. I'm not doing that." And it's and it's valid in the military, by the way, to do that. You can you can argue all day long. Well, you know, not that many people have that that sense of uh, that that sense of values, or not many people would have that strength of character, or whatever, whatever, whatever. But um, so people did. It's also like. People. It's also like what conflict I think about like what conflict would you or consequence would you rather be with, right? right? So if you're if you're my superior in any sense of the form and you tell me to do something that I shouldn't that I don't think I should do, I think is wrong. Not I don't want to do it, but I think I think it's wrong and it doesn't uh, align with my values or my morals or whatever. Yeah. Um there's a consequence either way, right? And yeah. people don't think about that. There's like okay, if I do it, there's a, there's multiple consequences. One is if it is actually bad and we get caught, we're going to get in trouble. Also, I have to live with the decision. So there's those two. And if, yeah. And if I don't do it, there's also a consequence. Maybe, you know, who knows? I don't know what that would be, but there's usually, there often is a consequence for, for, for that. It doesn't mean it's bad when I say consequence, but I think a lot of times, um, man, I talk about this so often with clients, they'll tell me something that they haven't told anyone else. And I'll go, are you prepared to deal with the consequence. That's right. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm if like, you listen. Yes to this, what are you saying no to? If you say no to this, what are you saying yes to? Yeah. And 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 I mean, recently I had I had a client who shared with me that they were going to do something in their in their life that I knew didn't align with the per, the man they say they want to be. Yes, yes, yes. And I just said to them, listen, you you know, you can do whatever you want. Right. I'm not here to, I'm not, I'm not your God. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just here to remind you of who you said you want to be right? really clearly. And are you prepared that if you do that and you, and you get caught, whatever, <laughs> this is like, right. We just made, I just made up based on yep. the situation. I just made up a likely consequence that, that, it, that would likely happen. And they went, I mean, I, I haven't thought about the consequence. And I was like, Hey man, of course you haven't. Cause most of us wouldn't do the things that we thought about the consequence. So here's the thing. If you want to do that thing, Choose the consequence, pick both. Like you're picking that you're going to go do that thing and you're going to choose that consequence to go with it. And if you're good with that, you know? I think this goes back to what you were asking before. How come some people come out with problems and some people stay and some people come out better? Mm. You know, it's, it's, I think you're, I think that explains a lot of it. Like they thought through the consequences and they're okay with the choice. Mm. Or, or the other way around. They haven't thought of the consequences and then something came back on them that they didn't expect. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a big difference in how you, how you control your life. Yeah. What do you, so let's look, you have, you've, spent, you've spent enough time in the military that it impacted who you are as a human being. Um, how, where do you notice that you're fundamentally different, you know, like where are you fundamentally different as a human being because of the training, the process, the experience? Um, and what's like an area that you're not, that you're like, man, I wish it had impacted that area and somehow it didn't. Uh, okay. So I'd say the first example, right. Um, where I'm fundamentally different. I think, I think part of that is, is 
why I ended up in the military in the first place. Because I, I told you, there's two people, right? You run towards the danger or run away from it, one of the two. And when I figured out, yep. And when I figured out that um, there was there was a time, uh, the reason I went to the military is because I was running through a couple of years of college. And I said, this is, this is not getting me where I want to go. Like I had a, had an idea of where I wanted to be and this was not doing it, you know? And, uh, and then something uh, personal happened and, and it made me reevaluate like why I was even staying in New York and that kind of thing and what else I could do. Um, but then like the way I, I look at it is what, what, um, what things are available? Like, what are the resources? What things are available? What am I willing to do to go through it? Like, what's the, the, um, uh, and, and what's the logical outcome, you know? And, you know, you work through those things, uh, and you, you end up, you can make better decisions. And so the, uh, the military has this thing called the military decision-making process, right? And it flows from like an engineer's idea of, of like, what are your resources? How do you put them together? What, what do you have available now? What do you really need? How does that get to where you want to go? And I've always sort of thought like that, even as a young person. And it made a lot of decisions difficult to, because I didn't know, uh, I didn't have the, the added step that the military gave me. And that was <clears throat> getting to a decision, like making a decision, having all these things in your brain pushes, like pushes yeah. all the options at you. Yeah. Yeah. And then at some point you have to make an actual decision. You have to look through it. So what the military gave me was this, this idea of like, like sort of like risk mitigation, like which ones actually will get me where I need to go and which, what, who, who can I depend on to get me this or that? Or and then whatever it is, make a decision and take action. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's something that I got out of the military that was, that allowed me to further my, my, my leadership ability and, and, and do these things because I was able then to say, yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just had, I just have to start. Yeah. You know, and that was something like, like that changed in me. Um, but something that I lack, um, or, or that, um, I wish had happened. I, I can't, I can't really, um, I don't really think of, it, of things that way. Um, so it's hard to, it's hard to name one thing. Um, because I feel like if you're, if you're able to make the best decision that you can at the moment with the information that you have, and you're willing to live with the consequences, as you said, as you mentioned before, um, then you're either going to succeed or you're going to, you could fail, but you're going to learn something from that failure. So. I don't know. I don't know that there's anything that I, that I, that I completely lack that I really want, you know, this is, this is a funny question. People always asking like, you know, uh, you know, what else do you need? You know, uh, I get, I get maybe like 20 people a day asking me how many, how many clients, how many more clients I need and how, how, you know, where, you know, trying to, trying to, trying it's to, like, you're looking at your, in, your LinkedIn inbox and there are people like, yeah, I, and, and they're all trying to solve my problem and find my pain. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really have pain in that respect, the way that you're talking about. So it's hard for you to find it. So I think that the answer to the second question is that I don't really have a, a strong enough pain to tell you that there's 
there's something so lacking that I wish I had, you know? I want to ask you about, uh, kind of, kind of wrap this up and ask you about, um, men in general, some things about men. I've been doing a lot of work, work in the men's space. Um, and a lot of work around masculinity, leading retreats yeah. and whatnot. And um, and recently I've come, you know, I, well, let me just say this. When I when I looked out into the men's space world, mm-hmm. I felt like I saw two things. A world that was like, let's make men softer, which I had no interest in. And a world where it was like, let's go out into the wilderness and like, like make, make men harder and like more old timey, like yes. war paint on our face, howl at the moon and become like these warriors. And I was like, I don't really have any need for that too. There's not a war happening in my, in my neighborhood. I don't need to be this vicious warrior. Now I do think I need to be both versions of both all the time. I need, I want to be strong. I want to be powerful. I want to be, but I also want to be nurturing and loving and kind and generous. Right. I want, I want aspects of what I would deem the masculine and the feminine at the same time. And as I've explored this, um, I'm finding I'm I'm uh, through through this work I'm finding there's like this whole world of these like men that are leading men on this like alpha mentality and like men need to not be betas and this is how you're not going to be a simp and all these like terms that I'm like this is disgusting first of all that we're like using this they're like very fear based playing on their fears yeah fear based authoritarian like versions of because these guys aren't like making money or having sex or, or good looking, we're going to, and I was, I'm pretty mind blown at some of the things I'm seeing. And a lot of it is I think guys just capitalizing on opportunities to make, to make money. Right. I don't know what they really believed, right. um, but I'm just curious because you coming from the military, being around what is mostly men, right. I know there, I know there obviously are other people in the military, but it's, it's, it's women. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, dominated. Yeah. Um, what do you see when you look at like masculinity? What do you see um, maybe as like some of the challenges that we're currently having or the problems? And what do you view as like um, maybe like a positive ma- masculine leadership? Uh, so I, I would say there's there's a, type, there's a type of person, right? And it doesn't have to be man or woman, but I think most people have to have to think about this. And I think it's harder for men. Um, there's a type of person that, that uh, when you're centered on your values, that you can do, you can, you can do anything in, you know, that, that doesn't conflict with them. So it's, I I equate it to being like, um, the largest man in the room, right? And let's say you're the largest man in a bar, like no one picks a fight with the largest man in the bar generally, right? The little, the littlest guy might find the, (laughs) <laughs> the littlest guy is trying to prove something. And what he does is yeah. he goes, let's you and all my friends fight. Right? <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not, he's not there to, to challenge that guy. And, and even if he is, the guy is standing there and, and, and you know, let's say the, the little guy decides he wants to fight this guy. You know, he's going to throw a punch. The big guy's going to brush it off like this and it's never going to be an issue. And the big guy is, is just going to stand there and go, okay, whatever. And even if the guy insults him, his mother, his family, his bring, upbringing, his ethnicity, he'll just be like, I could end you, right? It, that mentality should be available <clears throat> from a values-centered point of view, right? That people, people will challenge you every day. 
with whether or not you're strong enough, whether or not you have enough discipline, whether or not you're physically strong enough, whether or not you, you have mental uh, strength, whether or not you have emotional intelligence, all this other stuff. And they will challenge you. It will happen. And <clears throat> you have to be that guy, that person that says, that doesn't affect me because I know where I stand. Right? And so I think uh, having worked with some uh, youths and, and, uh, and my own children and uh, in faith and in other um, situations, military, people appreciate when you come at them with a, a strength in, in your values, but also a softness in your ability to be able to communicate things with them in a way that makes sense, right? Uh, I think the people who, 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 who push this agenda of not being, of being, not being a man because you're not physically strong enough, you're not, um, you're, you're able to be pushed around, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they're, they're, like you said, they're acting on people's fear, but they're, they're fearful themselves. They're fearful that someone is looking at them in a, in a way that, uh, makes them look weak. Well, what it, it's kind of like asking if asking for help is weakness. I don't think asking for help is weakness. It's kind of like way back when, um, you know, way back when sixties and stuff like that, even, um, people thought that going for mental help, you know, going to a mental health professional was, was weakness. Mm -hmm. The world has flipped. That is no longer weakness because it actually is just self-care. And you mentioned it before. If you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. So you have to, if you're, if you're in this position where you're wondering whether you're strong enough or, or you're judging people because you think they're not strong enough, well, think again, because it's, it's you projecting yourself on someone else. There was a, I, I send some uh, little uh, tidbits out once in a while to uh, on either on LinkedIn or, or whatever, or sometimes direct messages. And some guy came back to me and says, you know, was your account hacked? Because do you, you know, or is this garbage coming from you? It's a very, it was a very uh, old military guy, by the way. And, um, and, uh, he just, and I just said, um, first of all, I take care in crafting this garbage, right? So that people will think, right? It's, it's something to, to give you a, uh, to make you stop and think. Yeah. But even people who are not in the military, another guy uh, said the same thing when I put out something else, he said, can you stop sending me these things? Like, it's just, you know, it, this is not for me. This is for other people who think about this stuff, you know? And I'm like, okay, right? I don't, I, I'm losing people by doing that, right? Yeah. Then there's a tremendous many more who are saying, thank you for posting this. I needed this today. My, my, uh, uh, it couldn't have come at a better time. Um, I never thought of it that way, you know, so, right? So am I supposed to stop doing what I'm doing just because two people said it's not, that it's like, like hurting their feelings? No. 
my, my, one of my friends would say, that's me not caring what other people think. That's, that's not exactly what it is. It's me figuring out who's part of who, who I can affect the most, who's going to be part of my tribe, who's going to be like the, who, who, who this is for and who this is not for. Yeah. Right. And then you'll be surprised. It doesn't have to be like a super high masculinity type of person to deny themselves the idea that they should be introspective, to deny themselves the idea that they should help other people, that to deny themselves the idea that someone is, is not weak for asking for help, right? You don't have to be super masculine to do that stuff. It's, but when, you're, when you put it in those uh, things, what I, think is, what I think is most necessary is for every person to find a mentor who gives them what they need, right? And theoretically, it's that person, that equal balance of, hey, I'm not going to be weak, but I'm not going to be oppressive, right? And there's, there's something to be said. But if, you're, if your value system says that you need to be strong above all else, you're never going to find that balance. It's never, you're, you're not even going to consider it. Mm. So it, I think, I think there's, a, uh, there's, a healthy, there's a healthy balance between the two, like you said. But I think it's also important to find those mentors in your life who you can respect, um, who, who show both sides. You know, that's, the, that's the, the way to mitigate it, I think. Hey, tell me, what are the names of your two books so people can, and where, where, what are your names, your two books, and where can people find them? Sure, they're both on Amazon. Um, one, of them's, <laughs> one of them's kind of really long. It's like uh, 10 frontline, uh, blah, 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 right? It's, a, it's not that important <laughs> what the whole name of it is, um, but uh, it's, it's a book about business, uh, mostly, like primarily for business. And the other one is called Value Centered with some stuff at the end. Um, value centered is the, um, is the one that I think is, uh, a little more, uh, touchy feely, a little more like, you know, but it's all about getting in touch with what you, what your values are and how that affects your life and your life decisions. So, um, if you're looking for something that's more, uh, business centered, it's the first one. If you're looking for something that in marketing and SEO and that kind of stuff, if you're looking for something that's a little more, um, part of who you are and what you want to become it's value centered that's the one that i think you got to do uh <laughs> you got to do a second a second edition where you create titles that you can just drop in like a second yeah a quick I, short titles i i i uh, uh i did that with value centered yeah. um because i wanted people to have that the first one i made a really big long one and i was like you know like maybe that wasn't the best decision but it was kind of like i wanted something that would like give people like uh uh I mean, I, I get it. I like my, my first book, uh, fictional authenticity. It's not long, but most people are like fictional authentic. Like it doesn't, nobody looks it up. Authenticity. Yeah. Why is it fictional? Why it can't be authentic or fiction. Yeah. People <laughs> don't get it. They don't get it. Or it's like, who's Googling that? I, you know, so I don't, uh, I am one to like, Hey, you know, some <laughs> don't make the best decisions with titles. <laughs> but again, uh, that's, that's, that's part of my, my whole thing was, uh, just take action. Right. Yeah. Take, without yeah, a first get, book. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I think the same thing. It's like, hey, 
if that's the biggest problem is like, hey, you still wrote a book and how many people are are not doing what they say and it, because of little things like that. Um, Keith, thank you for, for coming on here. Uh, thank you for what you're doing to help people. Um, thank you for your passion, your purpose. Thank you for your service. Um, thank you for your commitment to values uh, and and really like sticking to the man that you know yourself to be and the man that you want to be for yourself, your wife, your family, uh, and everyone that you impact. Yeah. Is what's the uh, what's the best place that people can reach out or find you? Powerties.us. Powerties. Yep. P O W E R T I E S. Cool. We'll put all your info in the show notes. Thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for all of this. I really appreciate. It. Listen, anyone who anyone who can put something like this together and and uh, show this much appreciation for for the kinds of things that are out there and 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 show what you've learned in your own life. Um, yeah, I, I love meeting with people like you and meeting with other people like that in the world. So thank you for having this show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, we have we're our 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 biggest thing. Our biggest area of alignment, I was came off right at the beginning when you say, you know, everything for you is value centered and everything I do is about creating value. That's like all I really care about is can I add more value to the world and to the people that I come across with and, and as many interactions as I possibly can. And that's why I do this. And that's why I do everything I do. It not only does I think, you know, hopefully it like adds, makes the world a little bit better, but uh, it's what fills me up is is okay. adding value. So thanks for noticing that and and, and uh, reflecting it back to me. Everyone listening, thank you for being here, for watching, for listening. And uh, this was Keith Tully who joined us this week. And uh, I'm Alex Terranova, and we will see you next, next time on the Dream Mason podcast. Please share this episode with a friend. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.